Okay, well, this is a main share meeting, and today it is with much pleasure and much gratitude uh, that I welcome Paige, who's come along to share for about 30 minutes, after which we'll uh, open up for, for open sharing. Take it away, the room is yours. Awesome. Thank you so much. My name is Paige. I'm an alcoholic, and it's so lovely to see so many of you guys here from around the world in, in this little meeting in the UK. It's it's one of the things that I love so much about Zoom is is we're so so connected and and um, yeah. If I didn't say it already, I'm I'm Paige. I'm an alcoholic, and you know one of the things I love about that reading is is one of the themes that I would see throughout the book Alcoholics Anonymous is in God's hands. And I just love looking at what my life looked like when it was in my hands, uh, which I'll talk about a little bit, and juxtapose with what my life has become when it is no longer in my hands, when it is in the hands of a loving, powerful God that I did not like and I did not believe in when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. But first and foremost, what did my life look like when it was in my hands? Because it was a life that was no longer working. It was a life of hopelessness. It was a life of powerlessness. And I was drowning and I did not even know it. In fact, the first time we see this theme of in God's hands is on page 28. And so if you have your big book to hand, you can pop with me over to page 28. And if you don't have your big book to hand, don't worry about it. I'm going to read it. So you're not missing out on anything. And on page 28, it's the very uh, second paragraph. It says, we in our turn saw the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. What seemed at first a flimsy read has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. You see, on my own will, on my power, I am in the river. I am drowning. And imagine being in a river at flood. And that water is just taking you, right? And, and I can't grab and I can't hold on to anything. And I'm getting beaten up against the rocks and I'm trying to grasp for air. And that was my life. And I didn't even know it. See, for me as an alcoholic, when my life is in my hands, I am compelled to drink again. What that means is... Anything and everything that I try in and of myself, anything that I try in and of my own power, in and of my own ideas, is not sufficient. It fails utterly. I am compelled to take that first drink, no matter how much I need to stay sober, no matter how much I have to stay sober, no matter how much I want to stay sober, no matter how much I promised, and I promised that I was going to stay sober. It has no effect. And I take that first drink. Now that wouldn't be a problem if I didn't have this abnormal reaction to alcohol. And you see what happens for me is I take a drink and, and I always share this. It's I, I get an abnormal reaction. It's, ah, it's that. But I mean, if that was the only abnormal reaction, it wouldn't be a problem that I couldn't stop myself from taking it. See, the other abnormal reaction that I have as an alcoholic is I take that drink and I get that, oh, and then I need more. And the more that I drink, the more that I have to drink, and, and I can't control the amount that I take. See, I start to drink, and it's like I get thirstier, and I drink, 
and I miss the mark. I drink beyond lines in the sand that I said I would never cross. I drink into consequences I, I said I would never experience. I do things I never wanted to do, and I become somebody that I never wanted to become. And that is why it is a problem that I cannot stop myself from taking that first drink. And you see, I'm stuck in this hopeless position, and again, I don't know it. Because when I drink, I cannot control the amount that I take, which is to say, I can't drink. But when I get sober, I'm thrust into abstinence. I'm thrust into sobriety. And I try to put everything and anything I can between me and that first drink. And it is not enough. And inevitably, I drink again. So I can't stay sober. But I can't drink. But I can't stay sober. But I can't drink. And we start to see the hopelessness. And I don't know about you, but for me, living that way of life, where I can't drink and I can't stay sober, but I can't drink and I can't stay sober, you know, it began to really, uh, really, really just hit me, the hopelessness of my dilemma. Again, I did not know what it meant to be an alcoholic. I did not know what was wrong with me. But I did not, but I did know that the life that I was living was not what I wanted to live. I woke up in the mornings and I absolutely hated myself. I hated who I had become. I hated the things that I had done. And I would swear off with everything that was in me and say, I am never going to do this again. And I would do it again. And that guilt and that shame. And I always like to talk about this. When I was sober, that was truly, truly when I would feel that emptiness in my soul. It was sober when I would feel that anxiety that was so bad. It was like somebody was stabbing my shoulder blades. When I was sober, I had that depression so bad I could not get out of bed. When I was sober, I felt that hopelessness. When I was sober, I felt like there was that hole in the depth of my soul. When I was sober, that's how I felt. When I was sober, I was suicidal. When I was sober, it was like I was a raw exposed nerve ending. And for some ungodly reason, the wind was blowing when I was sober. And I talk about that because that is in my life in my hands sober. And I thought that made me different. I thought that disqualified me from Alcoholics Anonymous. See, I thought you guys came here and you showed up and y'all got sober and y'all got better. And you were happy and joyous and free, just showing up and going to meetings. And that wasn't my experience. I showed up sober. And that is when the pain really kicked off. And I know that that pain of life is not limited to alcoholics. That is not something that alcoholics have that is, yo, is, separate, yo, 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 yo. is separate to us. Oh, who out the um, And so one of the things that, that happens for me is... Sorry, I'll just try to talk over it. And so what happens for me is I, uh, is I come to, to Alcoholics Anonymous. And I'm drowning because I can't drink and I'm drowning because I can't stay sober. And I'm drowning because of the hopelessness of my experience. And I, and I, what seemed at first a flimsy read, and you know what seems like a flimsy read this book, this book written in the 1930s. Are you kidding me? Seems like a flimsy read. This book has got these directions that let's be real. I don't want to take. I don't think they're a good idea. Like, I mean, for me, for you, it makes sense. I can see why you guys need to do this stuff. But for me, I, I don't see why I got to do it. These steps, it seems like a flimsy reading. You're telling me that the whole direction, the whole purpose of these 12 steps is to have what? A spiritual awakening? 
a spiritual experience? That feels like a flimsy read. Man, that's, I don't know about you. I got problems. I got problems. I don't know if this whole G-O-D thing is going to be able to solve my problems. That feels like a flimsy read. But when I come to the end of myself, it's the only thing that I have left. The only option that's available to me. And I reach out and I grab and I grasp and it feels exactly that, a flimsy reed. Like it is going to pull right out of the riverbed and come along with the current with me. And I'm going to drown and die inevitably from this illness. That is what my experience is. But I grab a hold of this thing that I don't think will work for me, that I don't like, that I don't think is a good idea, that I don't want to do and that I'm afraid of doing. And I grab a hold of that. And in my hands, that thing that I thought was this flimsy reed turns into this loving and powerful hand of God. And that hand of God pulls me out of the river, pulls me out of the current to the, to the land, to safety. And I am okay. And see, the next time we see that hand of God is, is on page 80. And again, if you have your book to hand, you can bounce around with me. But if not, I'll read it. It's all good. And uh, so we're on the one, two, three. It's early. I can, I can talk about the power of God, but counting is apparently a little too difficult at, at 9 a.m. Or it's not 9 a.m. It's like 6 a.m. That's how early it is. So it's the gentleman uh, who, who absolutely, he lied about the money given to him by his business uh, rival, right? It's that gentleman. And it's the paragraph that start, starts with, after consulting with his wife and partner, he came to the conclusion that it was better to take those risks than to stand before his capital C creator, guilty of such a ruinous slander. He saw that he had to place the outcome in God's hands, or he would soon start drinking again and all would be lost anyhow. And so what happens for me is how do I get pulled out of the riverbed? I dive into this work. I dive into these steps. And see what I was talking about is, yeah, that fear. Man, I don't know about you guys. I wasn't jazzed to do a fifth step. I wasn't like, oh boy, I'd love to do that. Amends? I mean, there were a couple of them that I was willing to do, but most of them, I, I, did not want to do and I was afraid of how they'd turn out like again maybe I'm sure all of you lovely wonderful people especially in the UK are way more spiritual than I am and and we're just jazzed to do your events but I came to them with fear and what I came to find out is in the third step I get fired I get absolutely fired from the management position of my life my life was unmanageable and I was the one managing it. So I managed my life into an unmanageable position. So you can see why I had to be fired. And so what I have come to find out is that I am no longer in the results business. The results of my actions are absolutely none of my business. They are in God's hands. And what is my business? What is my responsibility to take the actions to the best of my ability taken out of this book? following these directions, that is my responsibility. And how it turns out, how it goes, none of my business. How my fifth step is received, none of my business. Also, if you're wondering, I've done many a fifth step, and I've bored several nuns, 
Um, the other AA members I've done them with, uh, less bored, but the nuns were bored. I just, I'm sharing that with you because I thought I had done some really awful things. No, bored a couple nuns. You know, I'm not that interesting, or at least I'm not as interesting as I think I am, right? And the results of my amends, absolutely none of my business. None of my business. What is my business is showing up and taking surrendered action. And what happens is this gentleman, he goes and he takes that surrendered action and all is well. And that's been my experience. I don't know about you, but before I take any spiritual action in Alcoholics Anonymous, especially one that I don't want to take, especially one that I'm afraid of, my brain will tell me these things like, it'll go bad. They'll hate me. It'll be the worst thing I've ever done. There's no way any good can come out of it. Now, let's look back in the rear view mirror. Every single time I've taken a surrendered action, it's turned out way better than I could have ever imagined. At least that has been my experience. All those contingencies that I obsessed about that I tried to plan for. No, it all worked out. Not, not always perfectly, but always better than I could have imagined. You know, and I, I'm going to bounce around a little bit. Let's pop over to page 120. That's right. I'm popping into two wives. Uh, page 120. And just because it talks about where the problems and where all my problems need to be left. And uh, so we're in the very last paragraph. And it's, it's talking about never uh, trying to arrange man's life to shield him from temptation. But I'm just going to pop down the paragraph. It says, if he gets drunk, don't blame yourself. God has either removed your husband's liquor problem or he is not. And that's the thing. It is God that is doing the removing. See, I want to be in the removing business. I want to be in the defect removal business. That's what I want to do. Cause that's like an exciting job title. I, it's not, I got fired. I'm in the willingness department. I'm in the surrendered action department. I'm in the letting go of the results department. I'm not in defect removal and I'm not in the outcome department. But it says, if not, it had been better, it had better be found out right away. Then you and your husband can get right down to fundamentals. And what are the fundamentals in Alcoholics Anonymous? Well, in my experience, the fundamentals are these 12 steps taken out of this book. Those are the fundamentals. So if anyone here is struggling, if anyone here has been relapsing, if anyone here has experienced where the magic is gone, that light, that fire isn't there anymore, or you don't know if Alcoholics Anonymous could work for you. What I want to offer is that we have fundamentals. We have actions that we can take that we don't have to like. That's the good news. I don't have to like them. I don't have to think they're a good idea. I don't even have to listen to this weird Canadian who's talking at 6 a.m. You know what I mean? But if I do them, the problem will be removed. And that's the thing. It says, if a repetition is to be prevented, place the problem along with everything else in God's hands. How do I do that? Again, I take the surrendered action. Now let's pop over to page 100, just, just because uh, that's, well, that's what would the, it, that's what the, uh, as Bill sees, it was, was all about. And it's one of, it's one of the, my most fa favorite, I'm going to say it uh, about almost any promise, but it's one of my favorite promises in the book. The promise is on page 100. We're in the chapter working with others. See, what happens for me is I take that surrendered action. Little by little, 
step by step, I, I take these actions and I begin to awaken spiritually. That light begins to come on within me. You know, you know what it's like when you're working with a newcomer and that light comes on in their eyes. You know, when you can watch that guilt and that shame fall from them. That freedom. Man, and freedom beyond anything I could have imagined. Of course, the obsession to drink is removed. Those promises that happen, uh, the step 10 promises where I'm placed in a position of neutrality, where I'm safe and protected. Of course, that happens. But deeper than that, promises that I never thought could apply to somebody like me. And I get to then show up and share this, this way of life with another person. And it is the most incredible thing. It says, uh, first paragraph, page 100, both you and the new man must walk day by day. Oh, man, I got some bad news. Day by day, that sounds like this is a daily program of action. You know, not a once a month sort of deal or I could, you know, rip it off in 30 days and then be done forever. Now, again, I will say it does not take long to get well. It does not take long to have a spiritual awakening. But I'll do a little, maybe not a show of hands, but anyone here ever stay well on one drink? I didn't. I can't stay well on one spiritual experience. I'd have got to continue to grow and to seek and to have and maintain those spiritual awakenings, that spiritual experience. And so, oh man, it's a daily program of action. And it says, if you persist, remarkable things will happen. And one of the things I also want to point out, it is the path of spiritual progress, spiritual progress. Often in the rooms we'll hear it's progress, not perfection. And I I do have a defect, a character that is being pedantic, um, if you're wondering that me what that means, it's it's I'm focused on little details that aren't that important, pedantic. But one of the areas where I feel like I am pedantic with a purpose is that it is not progress, not perfection. At least in the big book. I know it points to that in the 12 and 12. But in the big book, it, it what we're talking about, it is spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. How am I progressing spiritually? Because I don't know about you guys, but for somebody like me, it can be easy to confuse the gifts of sobriety with the progress of sobriety. What that looks like is, no, no, I'm progressing. I got the job back. I got the relationship back. My family's back. I got the car back. I got the house back. I paid some of the electricity bills. That's funny because the light bulb isn't working, so I have to use my phone as a thing. Uh, We do have electricity in Canada, I promise. Uh, right I'm progressing but if but if I have alcoholism that all of that and all of that is wonderful and lovely important it's so wonderful those things come back but all of that in my experience is human power and human power is not sufficient to keep me sober and if that is all that comes back into my life if that is all that I experience I will drink again it is How am I progressing spiritually? Is my spiritual life growing? That is what matters. And man, when that is what I focus on, that's that's when it changes for me. And and the thing is, it's both you and the new man. We're walking together shoulder to shoulder upon this common journey. I'm not better than anyone because I've been graced with the spiritual awakening. I'm not better than anyone because I've made some amends. That we are shoulder to shoulder. And it really is when I do this work, I begin to get a lens of true humility. 
And what is true humility? In my experience, I'm no better than you and I'm no worse than you, that we're equal, shoulder to shoulder, eyeball to eyeball. And for somebody like me, I am dependent upon God. That is true humility. And I get to share with you, get to share with you, not have to, get to share with you the simple kit of spiritual tools, which has absolutely revolutionized and transformed my life. And I'm going to go off on a little tangent because it's early. And I go on those when it's early. Those that know me, I know I go on those regardless of what time it is. Uh, but one of the things is the steps don't care why I take them. You see, I spoke about how, you know, I can be afraid. I cannot think they're a good idea. But, you know, I, when I was one of those people that thought I was not worthy of them. I was not worthy of these promises. I did not deserve what this book was talking about. I did not deserve what you guys had. I'm different. I'm worse than you. And that's not my experience. My experience is, and this is language I use, we're all God's kids. You know, the God that I've found as the result of these 12 steps loves each and every one of us equally. Steps are not, actions are not. You know, I got to take the actions if I'm going to get sober. But regardless of the worst things that we've ever done, I have found unconditional love, the unconditional love of of a God that I did not believe in and a God I did not understand when I got here. And back on page 100, when we look back, we realize the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. How do I put myself in God's hands? These 12 steps. That is how I get me out of my hands and into God's hands. And I, I, and I can ask myself, is that true? Is that my experience? And what I want to share with you is, is that for me, some of the most painful things that I've ever experienced in my life have happened in sobriety. Some of the biggest losses that I've ever experienced have happened in sobriety. And that sentence is true. You see, I don't know about you guys, but for me, when my life is in my hands and there is pain and there is suffering, and I'm not talking, of course, what happens is when it's in my hands, I create my own suffering. I create my own misery. I, you know, uh, step on the toes of my fellows and they retaliate. And all I see is the retaliation, not me stepping on their toes. Of course, that's my experience. But I am a human being and I am not, I am not free from life on life's terms just because I am a human being. I experience life, alcoholism and, and sobriety and recovery and being rec a recovered alcoholic does not free me from, from experiencing life. And there are elements of life that is painful. There are elements of life that is lost. There is elements of life that is deep and profound pain. And I don't get to escape that because I'm a sober, recovered alcoholic. But I get to experience that pain and that suffering in a different way. As opposed to running from it and extending that pain, I get to face it. And I don't have to face it alone. I get to face it in God's hands. And you know, the most powerful and profound thing happens to me. And we're going to pop over to page 124 in a bit. And I'll talk about it there. The worst things that have ever happened to me. The depth of my pain gets transformed into gifts and into blessings that I can use to help, a, to help another human being. See, when, I'm, when my life is in my hands, I'm running on this economy of it's not fair. 
and I'm running on this economy of it's not enough. And I'm running on this economy of don't you know what I went through? And I'm running on this economy of pity and shame and self-hatred. That is the economy that I'm running on. But when I'm in God's hands, I'm on, I'm running on a different economy. The economy that I'm on running on is the economy of grace and nothing gets wasted in the economy of grace. And see, I might not like the things that I experience, but each and everything that I experience and each and everything that I go through gets transformed into that which I can use to help another human being. I get to hone and sharpen my kit of spiritual tools that I get to use to help others. Now, back page 100 says, follow the dictates. We don't like dictates. That sounds like rules. Why don't we just call it some directions? Some clear-cut directions, but follow the directions of a higher power, capital H, capital P. You will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstances. That has been my experience, without question, because the worst things that have happened to me, the worst things I have ever done, the worst things that I've ever experienced, I get to sit down with people like you, and I get to say, yes, me too, this is how I went through it, this is how I got freedom from it, and it transforms not just my life, but I get to be a small part of the miracle that happens to you, let's pop over to page 124, and how am I doing for time, and I'll wrap up on page 124, Uh, uh, it's always I know it's I know it's a it's a blessing when I'm able to keep track of my own time. <laughs> All right, page 124. And we're starting with the paragraph that says Henry Ford doesn't matter who said it. But there was a wise remark to the effect that experience is a thing of supreme value in life. The experience that I go through is of supreme value value. And it says, this is true only if one is willing to turn the past to good account. How do I turn the past to good account? I face them in the fourth step. And actually, it's, hold on, I got ahead of myself. It says, we grow by our willingness to face and rectify errors. How do I face them? I face them in step four. I face them in step five. I face them in that quiet hour in six and seven. And in step eight, when I begin to to have a look at how I'm going to rectify them. And then step nine, when I go out, that is where I rectify them. And as a result of those surrendered actions, they get converted into assets. It says the alcoholic's past thus becomes the principal asset. That's the economy of grace. The worst things I've ever done are the most valuable things that I have. The shame and the darkness and the pain that I've experienced. My most useful, man, when I sit down with a sponsee, they don't care. But I guarantee they, my sponsees do not care that I showed up on time to, to, you know, to do this talk today. They don't care that I kept my commitment. They, they don't care about all of that. What is so useful to them is my struggles. My struggles when I haven't been able to show up how I wanted to show up. And how I was able to rely on a power greater than myself and take these actions and a change came over me. That is what's useful. They don't care that I'm doing things well. I mean, maybe your sponsees care a lot more than mine do about that. But this is just my experience. And it says, so the alcoholic's past thus becomes the principal asset of the family. And frequently, it is almost the only one. The painful past may be of infinite value to other families still struggling with their problem. We think each family which has been relieved owes something to those who have not. 
And what I've come to realize is that as a result of Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I owe AA a debt. I owe alcoholics a debt because I didn't get my life back. I got a whole new life better than anything I could have ever imagined. And see, it's this debt that nobody's going to come knocking on my door and tell me to repay. Nobody's going to tell me that I have to. But the more that I try to repay this debt, man, I can't pay it off. Because the more I try to repay it, the further in debt that I get. Because the more I try to give back that which was so freely given me, the more that I receive. That's been my experience. And I will say, you know what repaying that debt looks like? or the Not that there are spiritual debt collectors, but you know what that looks like? That looks like, Paige, can you, can you do a lead share? That looks like, hey, Paige, can you take me through the steps? That looks like being of service. That's how I repay that debt. And it says, we think each, uh, each family which has been relieved owes something to those who have not. And when the occasion requires, each member should be only too willing to bring former mistakes, no matter how grievous, out of their hiding places. Showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which makes life seem so worthwhile to us now. Is that not my experience? See, when I came to AA, my life had no meaning. It had no purpose. I was dying in this dreary desert of futility. But my life has been given meaning and purpose by working with others, helping to 12-step others, carrying this message, given my life more meaning and purpose than I could have ever imagined. And it says, cling to the thought that in God's hands god's hands the dark past is the greatest possession you have the key to life and happiness for others with it you can avert death and misery for them see on my own power in my own hands i could not even save myself but in god's hands this gets transformed and i i can use it to offer a new way of life to others to be a small part of their miracle and one of the things in uh, in the Asbill season reading, it spoke of Bill Wilson's white light spiritual experience. And this is what I'll end on. Oftentimes I've gone to meetings and I've heard people say, oh, no, I mean, you can't expect to have a spiritual experience like Bill. Don't expect to have one like Bill. And I, and I, I won't I won't say a bad word. I want to say a bad word, but I won't say a bad word. I'll say nonsense because that one's used in the book. Uh, nonsense. I not once in my life sold the power of alcohol short. Not once did I come to the power that was alcohol and did not think alcohol could relieve me of that problem. Did I not once think alcohol could absolutely radically transform any situation that I faced? I am called not to sell the power of Alcoholics Anonymous short, not sell the power of God short, knowing that I can't, for me, this is my experience, I can't say well on one experience. I need to continue to grow and to awaken and to have more. And it's none of my business, the experiences that I will experience. None of my business, that's God's business. So I am called not to sell the power of God short. Thank you for the opportunity to speak and to be of service. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.